mighty fancy automobile. Oh, she's a real road king, all right. Zero to 16, 7.5. She'll do a quarter mile, 13.40. 390 horsepower. 500 foot-pounds of torque. Whatever that is, performance and image, that's what it's all about. There's no such thing as a stupid question. This is Drive Radio. All of your automotive questions are just one phone call away. 303-477-5600. Drive Radio is made possible by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. To find one near you, go to drive-radio.com. Now, Drive Radio on KLZ 560. All right, we are back. i got a couple of other comments on Hale that we'll get to in a moment as well. Myself, Steve Horvath, Gino's Auto Service. But let's finish up with Mike and Aurora. Mike, and again, back to the AM radio on EVs. And I think there is maybe a little politics in that, although I think a lot of it is just more manufacturers being lazy and not wanting to go through the process of, of eradicating some of the interference that might be coming from the EV side. Because, you know, my Chevy Bolt, for example, uh, I have an AM in it, and it works perfect. No issues. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you got to give. I know how you feel about uh, GM's uh, uh, leadership, CEO, woke. so forth. But, she, she's as woke yeah, as anybody. But you got to give them kudos and credit. Was it last couple weeks here? They said they would include AM radio in their EVs and all their cars in the future. And so far, they're the only ones that have announced that. I wish others would too. And you know, you you saw the big pushback, of course, that you know Ford had where they were going to get rid of it and then the public outcry was just so heavy the ceo came back and said no 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 well, we're going to reverse course we'll put am radios in because they were talking about doing it on everything not just evs but literally everything so i hadn't, um, I hadn't heard that yeah yeah so they they had that. a bit you know they backpedaled on that basically good good yeah i i mean it was it was just a it was a, a simple fix back in the day with alternators interfering with radios and i don't know if it's that simple of a fix now or or not it's not as simple i mean back in the day for everybody listening that's why we had insulated plug wires insulated spark plugs even back in the day you could buy spark plugs that were either insulated or not most people today probably most young technicians don't even know what i'm talking about because back in the day you could buy an uninsulated spark plug that would give you theoretically more spark but more noise out of the radio and anyways long story short we had insulated spark plugs and insulated wires and all of that and you did all that to reduce the the radio noise in general and back then that's all you had was am and even even noise coming out of the alternator and things like that mike we had to deal with back in the day which you know as you know since then's all been fixed yeah yeah and i never heard or knew how widespread problem it was i mean it my impression was it didn't last long and they got to it and and fixed it, and um, I'm, I didn't know that about Ford. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, yeah, because uh, I, I, you know, um, not everybody's going to be able to listen to uh, your your show uh, over the internet while they're driving. You know, right? And it's just not. Yeah, it's nice for emergency. I agree. The, the push is primarily for emergency uh, notification purposes. We need to keep AM radio, and I think that's a legitimate uh, concern. I, I think so, and, too. I mean, again, I think some of this can get into politics. There's been a lot of PSAs even from stations like our own here that have pushed out, hey, if you want AM radio, 
you know, make sure you contact your local politician and let them know that, you know, so on and so forth. You know, let's make sure that collectively AM radio, you know, doesn't go away. It's needed for all sorts of things, not just what we do here, of course, but for public service announcements, emergency announcements. We had all those things you know, weather-wise going on here in, in Colorado in the Front Range this last week. It's used for that as well, for notifications and so on. I mean, Mike, it's one of those things that, you know, in my opinion, we can't do without. And uh, money also is involved here. Uh, the thought occurred to me, you remember when um, eight, uh, when analog television was discontinued, they sold, the FCC sold off those frequencies. That's true. They, I, bet you, I bet you there are people out there uh, that are just drooling to scoop up those, those AM radio frequencies. I, I, you know, Charlie is more of an expert on that than I, but that would not shock me. I am sure that is correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That would yeah. not surprise me, okay. Mike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how it is. But, you know, my my feeling, again, really, I I think in my own opinion, and I, even though I do everything I do during the week and I talk a lot about the politics of things and so on, I really feel like in this particular case, there might be a little wokeness woven into some of this, but I still think a lot of it is just laziness on the part of the the manufacturers. That's my own gut feeling. I, I don't think it's as much being woke as it is being lazy. Cost saving. Um, yeah, it's la- it's yeah. being lazy. They yeah. just don't want. They just don't want to make it. They don't want to have to figure it out, Mike. <laughs> Let's just eliminate it. Then I don't have to. You know, as an engineer, you know what? If we eliminate AM radio, I don't have to do all of this. That's my thought, Mike. As much as anything. Yeah, yeah, I, that's a good point. But I mean, in in many cases, it's simply as far as the alternator infer- uh, interference. It just uh, involved moving the cable antenna cable a few inches. In some cases, it can be that. It can be shielding. I mean, again, there's all sorts of things they can do. And somebody else texted in and agrees with you that it could be also a very big money thing because without AM radio, government gets a bunch of money in all, you know, automatically off of new leases for those bands, which they're not getting currently. Yeah, and politically, it eliminates uh, AM. It does that as well. So, you know, there is a two-sided <laughs> coin on that side. But, again, I, again, I think yeah. that's more the government side of it as it is the actual manufacturer side. I think the manufacturers are just lazy. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of that, too. Oh, well, yeah, that, I mean, that would, that would save them a lot of money, too. Uh, yeah, that would simplify things. One less thing they have to worry about or design uh, or factor in. Um but, yeah, all right, uh, that's all I had to. Awesome. Thanks. Mike, Thanks. appreciate it very Thanks. much, as always. Thank you. And I, I got a text message, by the way, on the hail end of things. Just kind of recap, go back to the hail side of it. And a good point, by the way. Depending upon your eye, the color of the car, you may or may not even see hail damage. Here's my point. If you've been involved in any of these recent storms where there's been hail that's come down and you're thinking, oh, I, you know, I came out good, unscathed, no problems, uh, I would still probably have a, a PDR person who's got a trained eye to you know, really look at that or a collision center, one of the two, really look at that, a PDR, I think, even more so than a collision center, and just have a PDR person look at it. They really can look at that vehicle. That's what they do, and they literally have ways of – feeling and and even doing some tools and so on on the vehicle to determine is there actually dents there or not because last thing you want is to get down the road and have previous hail damage that either as you're trying to sell the car or maybe it's in for you know something else collision center related and now you've got all this hail damage that has to be dealt with you're better off getting that handled now than you are later and and 
by the way, great text message along those lines because, yeah, you unless you have a trained eye to really look across those surfaces and see, in fact, it's been damaged or not. And this, again, you know, there's other things that have to be done. Cleanliness, is the vehicle clean? It's different lights and so on. There's ability for them to look at the vehicle and the paint to determine if there's any dings or dents there from hail that you yourself may not see. That light is kind of the thing. It's kind of a wavy little thing. and it's... They have the ability to pick up things that even I, and I've yeah. got a trained eye. And again, just because I've been in this industry for so long that, yes, I can typically look at a vehicle and even see if the body work underneath has been done well or not. I was at a car show a while back, and my wife was with me, and I'm like, okay, this car looks really good, but let me show you a couple of things. And I kind of get her in the right position with the right light. And I say, okay, now look right there and tell me what you see. Oh, oh, yeah, that, yeah, I can see where that's either the color's not matching or there's a wave underneath or whatever the case may be. And, and yeah, depending upon you and your eye, you may or may not notice things that the average person just frankly isn't trained to see. No different than the rest of us, you know. If you're a clothing maker or a watchmaker or a whatever, you know you see things in a different light than what the average person does. Well, your people that are fixing this hail damage, the PDR guys, to Steve's point, they've got tools, lights, and training and some things at their disposal that you all don't have. And, oh, by the way, they'll make sure the vehicle's perfectly clean before they do anything because, you know, dirt can mask a lot of things as well, especially if it's, a you know, depending upon the color of the car. Now. If it's a black car, you can see everything. You don't even need a trained eye. Just look across the hood or the deck or whatever, and you're going to see whatever dinger den is there because you know black will see everything. There's a misconception. You know, everybody thinks, oh, if I buy a black car, it doesn't show any dirt. No, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Black shows every piece of lint that just <laughs> fell on it, where a white car absorbs, if you would, that dirt, and it kind of masks it, if you would, and even dents and dings. That's why white cars are very forgiving cars to own. There's a reason why the majority of fleet vehicles are white. Reason is they hide a lot of things. They don't show the dirt like everything else does, so the vehicle will look cleaner even though it may not. And so if you're a fleet and you're operating that way, if you've got white vehicles, they're easier to take care of, maintain, and it's a lot less cost of ownership than owning any other color, by the way. Any other color. doesn't matter what it is. That white is the cheapest to own. That's why the majority of fleet vehicles are white. Interesting. I didn't even put two and two together. I, you know, you always drive by the places that have all the fleet vehicles, and they have them all, you know, the truck beds off. They're all white. That's why. Very true. That okay. is why. So there's a little tidbit. So, yeah, if you're ever looking at a vehicle to buy a particular color in, if you want the most forgiving color there is, whether you like white or not, it is literally the most forgiving color to own. And, by the way, the resale value of white is always pretty good because of what I just said. <laughs> yeah. They always look good. They can polish out nice. They look decent. Even if they got a few dings and dents, they're easy to touch up and make look good again. So it's a very forgiving color to own, even on the flip side when you're going to sell that car down the road, versus a dark-colored car. And heavy metallic cars, by the way, are the worst because you can't touch them up because you'll never get the metallic to match in a touch-up, door dings, things like that. They're the hardest ones. Solid colors are always the best to be able to take care of, no matter what color that is. But white is always the most forgiving. Not pearl white, white. 
Because there's a lot of whites today that have pearl and metallic and so on, and they're even kind of a little creamy color. Uh, I'm talking just flat, straight white are the easiest cars to take care of and will always look the best down the road. So, by the way, thank you that for well as well, by the way, on the, on the, on the finding that out and having your vehicle inspected after it's been through a hailstorm. Great advice. Thank you for that. Steve and I will be right back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. At Napa Auto Parts, we've been the most trusted name in auto parts for over 80 years. Probably because we've never stopped looking for ways to make the great parts we sell even better. It's a commitment to quality you'll find in every one of our 310,000 parts. From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters to the patented damping mechanism on our drive-align belt tensioners to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes. And Napa parts are covered by a warranty that's good at any of our 6,000 Napa auto parts stores nationwide. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store. But at Napa, we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. To find the Napa auto parts store nearest you, go to NapaOnline.com. Napa, get the good stuff. With over 125 locations in Colorado, southern Wyoming, and western Nebraska, there's only one place to get the good stuff. Napa Auto Parts. You are responsible for making sure that you are properly insured, but you're not alone. While Paul Lewinberger believes in personal accountability, he wants to make sure he's setting you up for success as your home and auto insurance agent. Paul will teach you about how you can save money on your premium while being fully covered in case of a loss. Your insurance should be for emergencies, not petty cosmetic issues. Insurance is not a coupon, your bank account, or for maintenance. Paul Lewinberger will tell you that your insurance is for emergencies. And when you work with Paul, you'll be rewarded for your diligence. Ask him about their incentivizing rebate program. Take a higher deductible and take responsibility. It's just one of the ways they can afford to keep their rates low. Take control of your life. Take responsibility for your insurance coverage. Call Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance now at 303-662-0789. That's 303-662-0789. If your engine doesn't leak oil, but you have to add to it between oil changes, where does the oil go? The problem occurs when piston rings clog with carbon and then allow oil to blow by the pistons and burn in combustion chambers. The best service shops use a BG product that cleans the engine in just 15 minutes. Find a shop with BG products at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. It will protect your engine and your pocketbook. Find a shop now. Go to bgfindashop.com. For years now, you've heard me talk about Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. Hey, this is Scott Watley, and yes, for almost 20 years, Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center has been taking care of our pets. From medical, grooming, boarding, and even training, Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center is your one stop for all of your pets' needs. Not only is their facility state-of-the-art, but now you can download the free Lone Tree Vet app and visit their online store for your pet products and pharmacy needs. You can also have your very own pet portal. Plus, don't forget to read their blogs at LoneTreeVet.com. Do you take your dog on hikes? Check out hiking the trail safely with your dog. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, they believe all pets deserve to have a good life. Call today 303-708-8050 or check them out LoneTreeVet.com. Are you in the market for a reliable car that won't break the bank? 
Drive Radio sponsor, Ridgeline Auto Brokers specializes in quality used cars that cost between fifteen dollars to $25,000, making them a great option for first-time drivers or anyone looking for a good deal. They pride themselves on providing a transparent and hassle-free car buying experience. That's why at Ridgeline, they never charge a dealer fee. Plus, all vehicles are inspected by Legacy Automotive, a Colorado Select member and sponsor of Drive Radio. For a limited time, they are offering first-time customers the first oil change for only $1. Every car comes with a 30-day warranty, with the option to purchase a service contract. And at Ridgeline Auto Brokers, there are competitive financing options to fit your budget. If you cannot make it to the dealership in person, there are videos of all Ridgeline cars for sale on their website at RidgelineAutoBrokers.com. Call today at 303-442-4141 to schedule a test drive or visit RidgelineAutoBrokers.com. Ridgeline Auto Brokers, the smartest way to buy a car. All right, we are back. Myself, Steve Horvath, Gino's Auto Service, with me, and Paul from Black Forest. You're next, sir. Yeah, good morning, John. Great show, as always. Thank you. I, I feel the same way about our EVs as you do about RVs. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> well, uh, you gave me great advice on the RV springs a while back. I had the airbags that were ruptured on my 10,000. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's now 18,000-mile, 2004 Chevy Workhorse. But I got one funny question on that vehicle. I think I know the answer, but I, you're, my dad's not around anymore to confirm my supposition. Okay. Uh, I had to go into the dash and replace the little LCD display that Chevy used to use because it was washed out. You couldn't read it anymore. Okay. So it actually had 6,000 less miles on it than they advertised it at. And I got all five layers apart and back together, but I couldn't get the fuel needle indexed properly, and I'm not taking it all apart again. So it reads about a quarter of a tank optimistic. But it has a fuel light also, and I'm thinking that that will still come on when it should, as opposed to the gauge being, well, I went a quarter of a tank, I'm about empty. Yes, I would agree. Okay. I, I would think, because the gauge is just telling you what it, it is. It should not, in, like you said, it's not There's index. no index. That's yeah. coming off the sender. Yeah. So the, yeah or sending like unit, it. I should say. I just don't know if the light is triggered off the needle position or if it's triggered off of the actual sensor unit. Sensor in the in the tank. Okay, good. I feel better about that because that thing's a real pain to take apart. And then uh, I've got this uh, Acura that I'm working on for a friend. It's got 190,000 miles on it, and it's had a persistent battery drain problem. Alternator's not open near as I can tell. It's got a new battery, new alternator. Uh, had to put a new starter in it a while back. And even sitting here in my shop, uh, you know, it'll go fine for two weeks, and then the battery will be dead. They have to jump it. And um, I've only found one fuse that's hot, you know, with your test light trick, and that is a 40-amp breaker that says backup and accessory. But there's also something when you shut the car off in the back end that sounds like something in the EVAP system, I'm guessing, that runs for a bit after you shut the car off. Any experience with these 2006 Acuras having a battery drain? What kind of Acura is it again? It's the little TSX 2.4 liter. Okay. Because we were having, it was the, I know we were having some problems with, um, gosh, what was it? There was there was like a computer staying on, on another one, but I, I don't know if it was a, it was in the Acura line, that's what, or the uh, 
in that line of, of vehicle. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, but there was there were some things, there were some modules that were staying on. And I want to say like a, a seat belt thing or something like that. It was something really strange that was hol- holding, you know, they would fail. It was pretty common. Um, and this is, a, this is Steve's wheelhouse because we, with everything I did through the years, Paul didn't work on too many of those vehicles. So, Steve, this is more up your alley than mine. That's um, one of the reasons I called today because Steve was in there. Yep, he's, <laughs> he's the expert on that end of it. Um, I'm actually thinking that I should probably do a little research. I could do a little research on the, uh, you know, on Monday and see if you don't mind calling me on Monday and let me just do a little research on. It. There's something that's sticking in my head and I can't can't get it out of there. But I know it was a, a module that was pretty common that we that sticks on or something like that on the on the uh, on that and and all the accuracy. No. Yeah, that that would make sense. Because even if I put my little, you know, battery's pretty well charged, but after working on it, I put my battery tender on it, and it'll never get to 100% sitting out, not sitting at night. And the the test light comes on at all, that's if enough. It's, if it's on at all, it's enough oh, amperage. Because yeah. I don't know what the amperage is on a little bulb, but it, uh, it's uh, whatever, half an amp. I think anything anything below a half an amp is, is okay, but you get up above that, it's kind of, then you're you're running batteries down. But what yeah, sounds to me like it's it's a module or something that's, sticking on and that's what runs it down one night you know what i mean and not another and not another and i I think that's what i was trying to remember there was something that was uh that was doing that yeah and it's real episodic you know it'll do it and then it won't do it and you know i always suspect that the kids got like three different chargers plugged in and the hot cigarette lighter with a led bulb in it to let you know there's power but i didn't find that to be the case when it was sitting in here but uh, yeah, no. I, actually, if you don't mind, uh, I'm kind of curious because it's it's escaping me now. <laughs> I apologize, but more no you're more than welcome to call me at the shop on uh, on Monday at three zero three seven nine four sixty seven hundred. Just ask for Steve, and I'll, I'll look it up. Seven nine four sixty seven hundred. Yeah, and I'm more than happy to look that up and see. Yeah, it'd be helpful because it's uh, otherwise the car's in pretty good shape. Other than that, on this particular job, and it's you know, kind of run my own hobby shop here, and that you find jobs you never want to do again. And the hmm. power steering line on the pressure line on a Honda Pilot is one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then all the motor, oh, the motor, he brought it in because it was clattering. I'm thinking uh, on a turn, I'm thinking it was axle shaft. But I get in there, have the wife give me a hand, and all the motor mounts are busted. Oh. Mm. And the front and rear are a real bearcat to get at. I, I tell you what, and that's something that's new that you know, since John's been kind of not part of we do a lot of motor mounts. Especially, oh, yeah. oh no! It's it's amazing oh, yeah. I know. I, how I, much. I don't know whether the quality of those things have just well, gone downhill or what. I don't I mean, know. They have fluid in them. They're running a vacuum line to yep. them. They're doing all sorts of strange things with it. With it. well, we should call them engine mounts. Really. Yeah, they're mounts. not motor but, mounts but, now. But yeah. uh, good point. But still, it, it, it's amazing. Well, and the what other thing that, that I know, and Steve, maybe you can, you know, uh, uh, verify this. But what I understand as well, Paul, is when you're doing those OEM only. Yeah, I hate to say that, but OEM only on these new motor mounts or engine mounts. It, it, yes, uh, it very much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't. Yeah, try because to of everything Steve just said. And there was the there's the Ford that has there's one uh, Ford like Fiesta or Escort or something, you know, the older one, and that thing just shook your fillings out when that engine mount would go bad. And <laughs> but yeah, but you can still buy the, those. You can buy from Nap. Correct. Stuff, but correct. Still, uh, but the, yeah, you're right. OEM is right. Yeah, they're, they're, I, I called the Acura guys. They're $1,150 for the five mounts I need from Acura. Really? 1150 bucks, and obviously the man doesn't want to put that much into this one, so I went yeah. with an Apple ones. Yep. They're readily available, which lets you know there's a problem with them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that tells a, you right there. That's a fact. <laughs> that's always a good Yeah, <laughs> that line. tells you. <laughs> but, 
Well, thanks again, guys. Have Paul, a great weekend. thank you. You thank do the you. same, man. Appreciate it very much. I should have mentioned this earlier, and I apologize. I was talking to my son today on the way in about this, and for all of you maybe that have not seen the news, some people look at the news on the weekend, some don't. There is a coup going on as we speak in Russia. It's real. Is it real? It's being talked about. It's mostly on Twitter. I don't know if the major networks have said much about it or not, but it is real. Uh, what's going to happen there, I have no idea. Uh, and how is that important to a lot of you? Well, given the fact that there's a lot of oil that's going into the market coming out of Russia, it's black market oil, but it still reduces the amount of supply needed elsewhere. If something along those lines would to change because of what's happening now, count on the price of oil shooting up drastically, which also would change the amount of gas or amount of you know cost of gas that you're using in diesel fuel on a daily basis. So all I'm saying is watch it. What's going to happen next? I have no idea. Is it real? Putin had an announcement about it this morning. Really so yes, in fact, it's real. And you can read all about it. Go to Twitter or wherever and wherever you get your news and kind of see what's being said. But yes, that is happening right now as we speak. Uh, Dennis, I want to give you time for your AM radio comment. We're up against a break. Hang tight. We'll come right back and take your call. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses? Well, look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. At Napa, we're always trying to make the great parts we sell even better. From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes, And every Napa part is covered by a warranty good at any of our 6,000 Napa Auto Parts stores. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store, but we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. Go to NapaOnline.com for a location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff. With everyone wanting more of your money from eggs to gas to taxes, how do you keep more of what you've earned? Call 720-895-0500, Affordable Interest Mortgage, where we can show you how to pay less interest on your home, have access to your equity for 30 years, and be prepared for unexpected expenses or emergencies. The market has changed. You now have more buying authority whether you want to purchase with a rate in the threes on a 3-2-1 buy-down or refinance and pay less interest to own your home faster with the Asset Manager Mortgage. Call Affordable Interest Mortgage, 720-895-0500, where we've been serving Coloradans for over 20 years. Government agencies continue to raise the cost of financing, whether to purchase or refinance. Let us show you how not to pay these increased fees with loan programs designed to pay less interest and put you in control of your equity. 
If you want to purchase a home with the rates in the threes or you want to have access to your equity, call Affordable Interest Mortgage, 720-895-0500. In these difficult times, you can still save. 720-895-0500. That's 720-895-0500. And MLS 298-191, regulated by DOOR. Have you ever thought about owning a classic car, hot rod, older truck, or an out-of-the-norm vehicle? Worldwide Vintage Autos is the place to go for all your vintage car and truck needs. With over 80,000 square feet of indoor showroom and warehouse space, they make the shopping experience easy. Every vehicle they sell is checked out by their own staff and is verified as a roadworthy vehicle, and this includes consignment vehicles. When you buy a vehicle from Worldwide, it's a vehicle you can safely drive home. They sell over 1,200 vehicles a year, and most of their inventory comes from people like you and me. If you want to eliminate the hassle of selling your vintage or unique vehicle, give them a call today. By the way, sign up today for the VIP list. They'll give you updates on all their new inventory that the general public doesn't see yet, and it's at a discounted price. Worldwide Vintage Autos. Don't let the name fool you. They sell worldwide, but their showroom is right here in Denver. Find them today at WorldwideVintageAutos.com or call 877-378-4679 and make sure you tell them John Rush from Drive Radio sent you. All right, a couple of real quick uh, text questions that came in that I want to get answered. One is on a GM6L90 transmission that's used in a lot of the GM pickups. Uh, Somebody's asking, is that a known issue for converter failure, and is that the weak point on that transmission? The answer on an easy, it's an easy answer, yes, it is. Do you need to put a billet converter in it right now? That's your call. I mean, if you do and you save the transmission, uh, you potentially save some money from not having to replace the entire transmission. On the same token, you could gamble, let it run as long as you can, keep the fluid changed in it, wait and see if it ever goes bad. If it does at that point, then do a complete upgraded transmission. At that point, I am probably one of let's do the latter. Let's keep it maintained and see what happens. And if it does go out, I'll deal with it then. I don't know that I would just pull it and put a uh, converter in it right now without doing some other upgrades at the same time. Would I service it? I absolutely would. I would do a complete uh, a fluid exchange in that transmission and do that on a routine basis, probably thirty to 40,000 miles. That's another reason why I believe those converters fail is because they're not getting changed as often as they should. The billet converters, of course, are pretty bulletproof, but would the one there last longer if it was maintained more properly? I, in fact, believe... It would. So there's my short answer on that text question. Also, a question on if water gets in diesel fuel, can you run an additive in it to get it out? No. You will have to drain that, get it out. That's why all diesel trucks, for example, have a water fuel separator on them that actually take the water out through the filtration system, and you tra- and you change that on a routine basis. But if you've got a small tractor or something like that, and water gets in the diesel fuel, you need to drain it and replace it. That's the only way to really get rid of it. Dennis and Golden, you're next. Good morning. How are you doing, Dennis? Well, pretty good. I wanted to make some comments about AM radio and cars. Sure. Um, as uh, It's no secret that AM radio suffered a decline in the last couple of decades or decade or so. And that's partly, I think, doing by, uh, by their own doing. First of all, going way back when AM stereo was announced, the FCC never, never pronounced a format for AM stereo. And that sounded wonderful, by the way. It was nearly every bit as good as FM. True. 
but there were like four uh, formats out there, and uh, the FCC never said, well, you got to use this one. So it uh, floundered and went away. But more concerning to me in terms of cars is the AM antennas in modern cars are pathetic. They're full of noise and clicks and whirs and buzzes and, and interference, a lot of it generated by um, uh, cars. And, of course, there's more interference in the world these days, too, or all around us. True. Yeah, a lot of the, even the 18-wheelers the have a lot of interference with their, you know, tracking devices they use for, you know, their, their you know, log books and all of, the, all of the electronic end of things as well, Dennis. And, yeah, as, you, as you're aware, there's a lot more interference than there ever was. Well, the other thing that impacted the industry, and I'll get to technology of AM and cars in a minute, but... Um, in the 1990s, when this uh, station feeding frenzy went on, where all of the stations were bought up by two or three major conglomerates, yeah. um, what that did was every time you tuned around the dial, you heard the same pap yep. at 15 places in the dial, which yep. kind of negated the um, you know the clear channel. So the FCC started allocating stations in the so-called clear channel regions, which limits their coverage in some areas too. Um, but those uh, mostly bankrupt companies are floundering, but the quality of service and the, the pledge for AM stations to be, you know, licenses to be held in the public convenience and necessity is somewhat being ignored. People can have tornadoes coming into town or bad hailstorms or thunderstorms or forest fires. They tune to the AM station. They've got some recorded stuff coming out of Texas. Yeah. Yep. Because there's nobody in the station. No, now, you, Dennis, I you. I mean, we are one of the few stations around exactly. that are doing exactly what you're saying. Yeah, we, we, we actually are well, here, but we're one of the few. Yeah, you are. I was just going to say Crawford has managed to avoid that pitfall and, and offer unique and local mm-hmm. and talented program, for which I'm very grateful. But I was very disappointed that Tesla doesn't put AM radio in their cars. I won't buy a car that doesn't have AM in it. But recently, I drove, I test drove a Lucid, and oh. the first thing I did when I p- pulled out of the garage there at Cherry Creek was, before I was even out on the street, I pulled out the side of the road, and the gal that's given the test drive said, what are you doing? And I said, I want to get this AM radio on here. I did, and I tuned around stations, Cheyenne, yeah. Fort Collins, Colorado Springs, and they came in fine. It's nice. It's the best-sounding AM signal I've heard in any modern car. And I travel all over the world frequently, and I rent cars. Okay, so I just have to ask you, because I, I really like the Lucid product. How well did you like the car, Dennis? Uh, actually, it, uh, it was phenomenal. Wow. It, it, um, that I didn't get interested. First of all, I think this is kind of a fad. I think it will fade in time. I agree. I have a way to charge it free at home. So, um, And also, once they hit the 500-mile mark, which Lucid did, then I got interested, because this two- and 300-mile stuff isn't going to work for me. But um, the fast charging and the 500 miles. And it's a beautiful and, car to boot, by the way, as you know. It's a beautiful car. Yeah, and it's engineered. Yeah, it's a very nice inside. car. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. I hope you've had a chance to drive one. I would love but, to. If I ever, if anybody out there is listening and has the ability to put me in one, I would drive one in a heartbeat. Yeah, please do that. Okay. Um, um, quick, responsive. Yeah, it's just a beautiful vehicle. All right. And I don't need another car. I have six of them, but... Uh, now you're like <laughs> me. You know, who, who cares? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, um, that's not, that's, that, that doesn't matter, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
But that was the finest sounding receiver I've seen wow. in any car. Good to know. In a long time. Good to know. And congrats, congratulations uh, for Crawford. For there's very few stations around the country, and I, I travel a lot in my work um, that have unique local programming. Mm. And uh, you, you guys are about it in Denver, I think. Pretty well, much. We are one of just a few left, Dennis, doing that, as you know. Mm-hmm. Yep, nice work. Well, thank well, you. Well, that's all I had to well, say. Well, thank no, Dennis, but, thank you. Kind uh, words. I appreciate that very, very much. So I appreciate that. And I was watching Charlie mm-hmm. in here agree with everything you said, and uh, that means a lot because he stays up on that as well. So, Dennis, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Let's go to Kyle down in Dallas. He is the uh, next caller. Go ahead, Kyle. What's up? Well, not a whole lot. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling, Kyle. Well, uh, good show as usual. Hey, I, uh, I had a question and uh, something you might want to comment after that. Okay. Uh, first question is, uh, have you had a chance to uh, test the new Toyota Tacoma yet? Not the brand new one, not yet, no. I'm sure we will be, but not as of yet. Do you, uh, do you have an idea when that's going to be released? Uh, I had heard it's going to be a few months down the road, so I'm guessing fall. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't okay, have any inside sources that would say that. That's just my gut feeling, Kyle. So I don't. That's not from any media source or anything. It's just me kind of knowing how that progression works. I'm guessing fall. Okay. Well, I'm eager to find uh, to see what you think of it. Um, oh, I am uh, too. I mean, that that one's got I'm some unique. That one, as you know, that's got some unique things on it that is really going to set it apart from a lot of the other vehicles. And I'm I'm very. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see what that one's like. Yeah. So they're and I just looked yeah. it up too. They they claim there's some build dates around May or June. Now I also know that if they start building and they get some things out, I again I think that's wishful thinking. These are some forum sites talking about that. Um, I don't know any VIN numbers. There's no VIN numbers yet that have been. Uh, well, here's one person that actually has a VIN as of the middle of June. Again, that still means you're not going to see them till probably end of August or so. So I don't think I'm too oh, far okay. off on my fall, Kyle. Okay. All right. Well, it'd be interesting to see what you think of it. I, I'm anxious to see it. I mean, again, they've got a lot of unique things on it that a lot of the other manufacturers in that market, you know, in, the, in that space don't have. So I'm anxious to see it. Yeah. Well, the other thing you might want to you might want to comment on is uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, you know driving not driving into high water you know the mm. turn around don't drown slogan. Yep. You know I uh, I have a friend of mine who lives in uh, Highlands Ranch and after the storm down there I got on uh, one of the local uh, TV channel websites to see you know the damage and the path of the tornado and so forth. And one of the pictures that l- leaped off the screen at me was a webcam that showed. E-470, uh, I'm sorry, C-470 down around Lucent, and the people that yeah. stopped under the overpass yeah, at Lucent, and all of the traffic that was backed yep. up behind it, the, dumb. just because oh, of no. people stopped under yep. the underpass. Dumb. What, uh, do what, not do that. On that. No, thank you, Kyle. Yeah, never, ever, ever, ever do that. All, n- number one, you're not really protecting yourself. Number two, you're just blocking traffic and being selfish because now nobody else can move. That is, and, and it's very dangerous to, to boot, Kyle, as you know. Dumbest thing you could ever do. Well, yeah, I mean, you're driving in blinding rain. All of a sudden, the traffic in front of you comes to a comes to a to a yep. standstill. I I just don't understand why uh, why 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 that why that happens. I don't understand why we don't enforce more more laws around that and give those people tickets. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. We should. But, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just always shocked at people. You know, in, in, in the front range of Colorado, you can see storms coming from miles around. I'm just always surprised that people who just continue to drive into those storms, they don't, they don't get off the highway, wait for it to pass. You know, uh, ben- Benjamin Franklin had a saying that said, uh, some people are weather-wise, most are otherwise. <laughs> Good one. I like that. Good one. Yeah. So, anyway, that's. Uh, I just wanted to ask about the Tacoma nope. and then get your comment All on right, the, As soon as uh, I get a chance to get in one, I will, Kyle, for sure. Well, good deal. Look forward to it. Thanks, Kyle. You have a a good week. You too, man. Appreciate you very much. Dennis, hang tight. We'll come right back to you. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. At Napa, we're always trying to make the great parts we sell even better. From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes. And every Napa part is covered by a warranty good at any of our 6,000 Napa Auto Parts stores. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store, but we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. Go to NapaOnline.com for a location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff. You listen to Drive Radio because you have a lot of questions about your car. You have questions about what kind of oil to use, what the best tires are, where to get the best parts. But have you ever asked what will happen to your car after you die? Did you know that if you don't have a will that specifically states what will happen, a probate judge will order your family to split your car evenly? And because you can't cut up a car into pieces, your family will be forced to sell it and just split the money. According to Michael Bailey, the mobile estate planner, it is estimated that two out of three people don't have a proper will in place. And oftentimes, things like your favorite classic car are accidentally forgotten completely. Michael understands that the only way to be absolutely certain that all of your final wishes will be honored is to take a small amount of time to talk about it. 720-394-6887. 720-394-6887. Call Michael Bailey, the mobile estate planner, right now to set up a free consultation and make absolutely sure that you don't leave anything to chance. Few things are life-changing. Your wedding day, the birth of a child, an oil change. Wait, what? Yes, an oil change can change your life if it comes with a peace of mind that if your engine, including the fuel system, fails, you're covered for life. The BG Performance Oil Change comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system. Find a shop near you at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. BG. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. All right, here we go. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Myself, Steve Horvath. Dennis in Thornton, you are next. Go ahead, Dennis. Yeah, I was just wondering, in your opinion, 
when do you think it'd be the right time to buy a new car? I'm kind of thinking of it, but right now I still think they're kind of overpriced. Some are. It depends on the car. They're starting to level out. Uh, there's still not a excess supply of cars, so their prices are still up. And frankly, Dennis, I really don't see that changing much in the near future. I know there's some folks out there that might argue with me on that, but I, I don't see... I don't see much changing in that world for still probably another 12 months. So I'm kind of one of those where if you need a car and you can make a good deal on one, are they going to come down in price as time goes by? Possibly, although inflation is still here. So even a price, you know, a new car price next year is going to be more than this year. So uh, you look at all of that and used car prices are still up. Now, I say all of that to say it really does depend on the car. There are some cars where there's starting to be a pretty decent supply. And prices are coming down, so it just depends on what you're trying to buy. What is it you're trying to buy? I'm thinking of something like a Rav Four. Hmm. They're still up there, and, and I'm I'm thinking maybe not brand new, but maybe a year or two years old with a little low mileage on them. They're save a little honestly, money. Dennis. That's one of those cars where I think you could go to a dealer and order one and do as well as you could buying a used one. And what kind of waiting list are them nowadays? About three months. What I've heard. About three months. Okay, I've well, actually got a listener that just or, that ordered one about four months ago. They're going to take delivery of it here in the next week or two, so they've waited four months for theirs. But they're going to pay, honestly, Dennis, probably not much more for a new one than if they went out and bought a used one. Really? Okay. So and some of the new cars is, I mean, if you're looking at a two-year-old car versus a brand-new car, and you can order one for a decent price from a dealer, which a lot of the dealers were – you know, where they're special ordering one just for you and it's a guaranteed sale, they'll make you a decent deal. And if that's the case, order one. And actually, I'm trying to stay away from a turbo. Are they are they kind of not, are they making them all with turbos? Because I'd rather just have the extra cylinders versus a turbo. You can only do the four-cylinder in a RAV4 as far as I know. There are no more V6s on RAV4s. They did away with that several years ago. And that's got the turbo in it, I'm assuming. I don't think it's turbocharged, Steve. I, you, I'd have yeah. to look that one up. I do not believe they're turbocharged. Okay. Well, I think it's a two-point. Right. I thought it was a two-five liter, and I do not think they're turbocharged. And no, they are not. I just looked it up. They are not turbocharged. Okay. Well. And they don't I run too bad. You. They're a little bit anemic in our elevation compared to what they used to have in the V6s. Now, if you could find an older V6 one at the right price, would I buy one of those all day long? But you, if you find one, they are top dollar, Dennis. Yeah, and they're probably not going to be low mileage. Either. They're probably, well, I shouldn't say that. You find the right person that had one that knows the value and didn't put a lot of miles on it, you might find one, but you are going to pay a premium if you do. Yeah. But it's a 203-horsepower, right, 2.5 liter engine. All right. Well, I appreciate all your help. I usually listen to you every Saturday. Well, thank you, Dennis. I appreciate that very much. And if it, the, the whole new car, used car thing, we could dedicate almost an entire <clears throat> excuse me, hour to, folks. And, again, that's one of those things where it comes down to the vehicle you're trying to buy. There is some inventory, for example, half-ton Dodge pickups or Ram pickups. There's, there's starting to be some decent inventory on Ram 1500. So <clears throat> that's one of those where you can actually find... Uh, Ram 1500 and do fairly well right now even on price. There's even some rebates and things on it. That's unique. A lot of vehicles, there's not a plethora of. So it really does come down to the vehicle 
the demand for that vehicle and what the manufacturers have done to you know kind of shore up. I mean, the issue with new cars, and this is something that you're not hearing in the media. People forget there's four buyers for cars. There's the retail buyer, like all of us. There's the fleet buyer, like I and my company, where you go out and buy several vehicles at once, you know, trucks and so on, you know, XL Energies and so on. That's the fleet buyer. Okay? You see them all over the place. The third buyer is the fleet rental guys. Okay? Avis, Hertz, National, all those guys. Enterprise. They're they're the third buyer. And they're not the same as the other fleet buyer because they're a huge fleet buyer. Last but not least, government. You can't forget about the government. They buy a gazillion vehicles every year. If you look at every city, state, county, feds, all the fed departments that are out there, the fact that they roll a vehicle over every three to five years on average, rarely does it go much over that. Police departments, fire departments, on down the line we go. So there's really four core buyers of cars out there. Every one of those has needs that have to be met. Now, what I feel is happening right now, and I haven't really had anybody from the manufacturer side disagree with me, they are filtering cars right now into each one of those sections. Government needs cars. Cars. The rental car fleets need cars. The regular fleets need cars. And, of course, the retail public needs cars. So they're filtering cars into each one of those segments, trying to do the, the, trying to do the best they can to meet the needs of each without losing customers. Hmm. And it's a balancing act that right now I feel they all have. There's still not enough cars to go around to even meet the backlog that not only the retail world has, but the other three things I just said, fleet, rental, and government, those three have huge demands that frankly aren't being met either. Because look around, how many new vehicles in each one of those categories do you see? Not a lot. Now, there's a few fleets running around that'll get some trucks. You know, For example, I as a fleet ordered trucks almost a year ago. And just got them in a month ago. So it took almost 12 months to get trucks I ordered last summer. So that's how long some of these waiting lists are for every one of those areas. And they're just sort of dribbling vehicles out into the marketplace accordingly. And yes, there may be situations where there's an overage of vehicles like Ram 1500s. And why that is, I can't answer that. The plant must have just had the ability to start producing and has... You look at some of the other plants, though, that are out there and still struggling to get supply to even build said truck or said car or said whatever it is. So the supply chain is not 100%. There's still a big backlog. And keep in mind, those four areas of purchases have been behind now for almost three years. It's going to take some time to even catch those up, and they can't do it in a year, and they're not going to do it, despite what everybody will tell you. Our normal purchases in a year's time in the United States of America is about 17 million vehicles. Last year, I think we sold about, bought about 13.5 to 14 million or so, and I don't think it's going to be much different this year. So think about the backlog, 3 million, 3 million, 3 million, that's 9 million roughly vehicles we kind of have a backlog of. Because keep in mind, cars come to end of life. They get totaled. They get stolen. Lots of, you know, they, they wear out. There are lots of things happens as to why we need more cars in the fleet because there's just a natural turnover of those vehicles 
on an ongoing basis. So you have to have new. Otherwise, we start looking like Cuba, where you're driving a 57 Chevy with a Peugeot engine because there haven't been any new cars there forever because what they do is they just try to keep the old fleet running as long as they possibly can. And no offense, I don't want to be Cuba. No. We're not. We're far from it. I get it. But we want to keep building new vehicles. The problem is there's not enough being built to meet not only what's happened in the U.S., but keep in mind, a lot of these manufacturers, even the ones here, Ford and, and GM both, but you take Toyota, the world, you know, number one world supplier of vehicles, this issue that I'm talking about has happened worldwide, not just in the United States of America. That's why there's a shortage of cars almost everywhere we speak now and why prices, I feel, are going to stay up for quite some time. Sure. Your and thoughts? Well, just, you know, they've changed their business model. I think that they're looking to make more off of, instead of selling 100 cars for this price, they're going to sell 70 or 60 at a higher price, and they'll still make the same profit. You know, I mean, that's kind of where I think they're pushing their business model a little bit. Mm-hmm. I got a quick question uh, from Ann, producer Ann, who asked a great question, going back to the rain end of things and driving through you know, water and not knowing depths and so on. She asked, how many inches of water does it take to float a car? Depends on the car, not as much as you think. No, it's not much. You know, depending upon the car and how low that car is, 8, 10 inches in some cases, not as much as you would think to float some cars. The higher the car, of course, the more it takes to float. The thing people forget is most cars are, in a sense, kind of a boat. Mm -hmm. They're very sealed up. They're unibody in construction. A lot of water is not going to enter into the cabin. I mean, you even see this in the movies where a car will get submerged and it takes several minutes for even the water to flow in because as cars are built now more tightly, there's not as many entry points for the water to come in. In turn, the car floats easier because it's full of air on the inside, especially in these conditions. Windows are up and so on. It will naturally float because of the air inside the vehicle. It's like a big tub, if you would, on top of the water because of the unibody construction. And in turn, it doesn't take as much water as you think to float some cars. The lower the car, the easier it is for it to float. The lighter the car, the easier it is to float. So, and great question, by the way. It doesn't take as much as you think for a car to A, hydroplane, and B, to then float, depending upon the amount of water you're entering into. And we're pretty lucky here in Colorado because we don't have quite the rivers, but in these, you know, like in Iowa and those other places in Nebraska where the, you know, the water could sweep you away in down the river. That's where people are You know, you just made a great comment. That's the other thing. If the water is running, it's one thing to drive through a pond of water. If it's running across the road and it's more of a river-like, just don't drive through it, period. You, 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 it doesn't take much to float a car. Just just don't do it. Sinkholes can happen. Thank you, Charlie. All those different okay. things. Just stay out of those areas. If you don't know what's underneath it, just best practice, don't drive through it. All right, that's it. Steve Horvath, Geno's Auto Service over in Littleton. Find him at genosautoservice.com. And it's Geno's with a J, by the way. Uh, myself, again, John Rush signing off. Charlie Grimes, our engineer. Char- uh, Larry Unger also answering phones today. Guys, have a great, fabulous weekend. Enjoy the weather. We'll see you here Monday for Rush to Reason. Otherwise, next week for another episode of Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Still haven't had enough? Go to drive-radio.com. Email your questions and comments. Download previous programs and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.